This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Time for another episode of the State of Miami podcast, and it's big game week. It's time for the Miami Hurricanes to put their motherfucking stamp back on college football as we head to Clemson, South Carolina, to take on the number one team, the Clemson Tigers. And I figured we got to do a roundtable. I got to meet all of these guys and people for the first time down in Miami for the Florida State game, and it's like family. I, I always talk about Miami as family. People don't believe me. I walk around Atlanta. People throw up the U everywhere that they see me. My car's got Miami shit everywhere. But I got to introduce Co, Brad, Ro, Jason, my guys. How you guys doing as we get ready for a big-ass motherfucking Miami weekend? Woo-hoo! Let's go. Let's good. Biggest game in years, man. It is. You know, somebody asked me, I was on a uh, national show yesterday. Um, Matt Peralt, who hosts the show out of Vegas, had me come on. And he asked me, he said, man, what is this, you know, as far as when is the last time Miami's had a game this big? And I said, go back to 2017 and that two-week stretch, Virginia Tech and Notre Dame. And I'll be honest, I was a guy that thought then, not that we were back, and we'll get into the back conversation at some point throughout the podcast today, but I didn't think we were back that day. But it felt damn good to go whoop Notre Dame's ass. This game 100%. to me is bigger, though, because, you know, Notre Dame was somebody that everybody thinks is a fraud. Nobody believes Clemson is a fraud. So, Cole, I'll ask you first. What's the last biggest game that Miami's been in like this? Well, think about this. This is number one versus number seven, right, coming on Saturday. 20 years ago to the day, we had number one versus number seven, Miami FSU. You know, and again, like, there's been plenty of big games, but – when I think about big, big games, that game stands out tremendously to me, only because of the implications on what was going on for that game. Even though we got screwed at the end of the season, with even with that win that game, um, you know, again, that kind of really catapulted the University of Miami, you know, going for going forward. It's funny that was my first ever live Miami Florida State game. All the years growing up in South Florida, I could never afford tickets. I was living up here. A couple of my buddies, um, you guys, I, I don't think anybody, uh, Jason. I know you met Carlos. Uh, you were yeah, sitting man. in the back of his car, and we got fucked up before the game, Ooh. drinking Tito's and Red Bull and Fireball and everything else. But we went to that game all the way back in 2000, October 7th, 2000. And I remember that day going, if we can win this, we're really back on the national map. And we all know how magical it was for Miami. I hope this weekend can kind of be some of that. Brad, you're a little bit younger. What's the last biggest game for you? Yeah, I was just about to say, my, my boy Cove brought it back 20 years. That would have made me like seven or eight back then. So uh, yeah. I'm going to have to go with what you just brought up, which was the 2017 uh, game. I, I actually ended up going to that game. It was a very cold uh, upsetting day unfortunately but it's it seemed like that back in 2017 it, we kind of had the same the same similar situation going on now it felt like we had college game days like back to back to back weeks you know the hype was there but I think it's a little bit different this time you you, you talk about we had a very dry vanilla offense with Mark Rick we had a uh, unproven quarterback in Malik Rozier who kind of did more on the run than he did in his throwing ability um and you look at Clemson back in 2017, their defensive line was easily top the top notch of all of college football, not to mention they were proven pretty much everywhere on the football field, except maybe quarterback wasn't like Trevor Lawrence. 
but now we kind of look into gear into currently and the Clemson Tigers don't look like the same Clemson Tigers team a couple of years ago. Um, they only have a few couple star players. It seems like their best star player on, on defense is a true freshman um, on the D lineman. So I'm looking forward to this game with a star player like De'Ara King and Rhett Lashley. At Ro, Ro, you go ba- way back as well. Is FSU the bigger one, or do you look back to 17 with the ACC title game as far as a game that has this kind of hype? You know what, John, that's a great question. It's easy to go back to 17 because, you know, during this, you know, dereliction of duty by the Hurricanes over this last decade, you can kind of sense that 17 was su- – but, yes, you got to go back further than that. you got to go to some of those wide rights when it mattered, right? When, when Florida State and Miami played, that was in route to the national championship game. This game necessarily isn't in route to the national championship game. Miami can pull off a stunner in Death Valley – right? They still have a long way to go. <laughs> so I, w- I would have to say th- this is a very big game, but I'm going to focus on what Corey Gaynor just said. And he's like, listen, we can't make this about our Super Bowl. This is just another game. Because if you take that mentality, Miami should be playing in games like this regularly. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're here is almost an anomaly. And that's what needs to switch for the Miami Hurricanes going forward. Jason, you represent South Georgia, living down around Valdosta. Big Miami fan. We had a great time down in Fort Lauderdale. As I mentioned, we drank quite a bit. I, I made Jason realize, guys, that I'm nobody to fuck with when it comes to alcohol. Uh, we true. pounded down literally a bottle of Tito's and Red Bull in about 30 minutes in, in my buddy's car. And I made his friend, because he didn't want to drink the Tito's and Red Bull, his buddy who was wearing Florida State crap, I made him drink Oof. a bottle of Fireball. I was good at the game. Jason, I understand you had some issues throughout. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember I met Co for the first time. I just kept calling the guy a legend. I was like, Co, you're a legend. Met uh, Derek. I didn't even realize who that was. I was standing next to Borigalis. I didn't even realize who that was. So, yeah, it got wild. So, I had a good time. What, good what's time. the last biggest game you remember? Is it go, go back to Notre Dame or before that? Um, well, I mean, I'm only 27, so I, I, I'm, yeah, I have I'm, underwear I'm just, that are 27. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm just, I'm just going to take the, uh, take the easy way out and just say to 2017, you know, cause I mean, we've been bad for so many years. Um, but that 2017 season was a uh, pretty magical until the end. So, uh, yeah, Notre Dame, 2017, the Clemson game, 2017, but I mean, that yeah, was a game, but. Unfortunately for me, that was just a bad weekend. It was great because yeah. I won a pair of Adidas from uh, from Adidas. They gave me a, a big turnover chain. I've got this huge briefcase. Somehow Adidas DM'd me during the ACC championship game and were like, where are you sitting? And I told them, they said, come down to the field. Sebastian the Ibis jumps up on the wall. It's like 28 nothing at that point. And he hands me this briefcase. What the hell is this? pair of uh, all-white ultra boots. I had a custom jersey, and it was pretty fucking awesome. Outside of that, though, it was I worked that morning because it was SEC title weekend, so I had to do a show from like 9 to noon. My wife was taking her sweet-ass time getting ready, so I got on the road like two hours late. Then the traffic in Charlotte was horrible. I finally got parked and ran over and met up with Laz and, you know, all of his crew. At like 6.30, got into the game. By the time I sat down, we were already down like 14 zip. Roman, (laughs) you know, you you mentioned something, and and I really like what you had to say there. Miami for a long time, and it's been this last 15 years of dog shit, has treated these games, whether it was playing Florida State with Dalvin Cook 
or, you know, playing Notre Dame on the road in 2012. They've treated these games like Super Bowls, and unfortunately we, we were treated like Super Bowl teams back in the 80s. How do you look at this team and say, let's just treat this game like a Saturday evening against Pitt or Virginia and go out and play the ball that they're supposed to play? Well, you know, John, I think you know what's going to help University of Miami, especially offensively, and it's just one of the hidden perks of Rhett Lashley, the tempo, right? This tempo doesn't let you get all up in your feelings. I'm going to go back to a couple weeks when, 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 when the University of Miami played Louisville, right? Will Mallory has this remarkable play. It's like an 80-yard play. He shows off that even though you're tight end two on this team, you have some tight end one flashes, young man. But what happens? It gets called back. It's a penalty. You know what ended up happening on that drive? We still scored. I'm used to a Miami team that's basically going to get all its in his feelings. The panties are going to be in a bunch. They're going to mope. They realize the offense can't score. It carries over to the defense, and then it just snowballs from there. So I think just with this offense, hey, listen, things aren't going to go your way Saturday night. I have a feeling Clemson's going to put up a lot of yards. They're going to stop you a time or two. They're the number one team in the country. That's their job, and they're good at it. So you just need to weather the storm, get into your offensive sets, do what you're capable of doing. And I think I think the offense, really, that style's going to curtail a lot of that bitch move. You know what I'm saying? Just who cares? Move on to the next play, and that's all you're going to have to do over and over. Defense, when they punch you in the mouth, this, this has got to be a game. If Miami's going to win, you're just going to have to take every punch they're going to give you. And trust me, Clemson's going to land right in your freaking face. So you know what? Weather the storm. Keep punching back. At the end, you got a puncher's chance. You win on the scorecards, and you walk out, and you change your program for there evermore. That's, that's my two cents. Cole, I, I, I've seen a lot of this from our fan base via social media, and it, and it aggravates me, and I'm actually going to write an article between now and, uh, and Saturday on State of the U, and it's going to dive into being back and what that means and everything else. But the stuff that pisses me off, and I live in Georgia, <laughs> so I've had to deal with it with University of Georgia fans that no. a couple of years ago go, well, we almost beat Alabama. How much soft-shouldered bullshit is that when our fans go, well, as long as we keep it close? Fuck that. I'm trying to go win a football game. Yeah, 100%. I mean, look, if you, if you you have to win, right? Like, you can't have a moral victory like North Carolina had last year. Oh, we only lost by one. But you fucking lost. Like, at, at this point, you got to go out there and fucking play. Balls to the wall, like Rose said. Like, to me, in order to get back – you need to be competitive in every single game. If you're going to lose a game, okay, lose a game. But don't get fucking blown out. I mean, a last-second field goal or whatever. But in order to get back to the Miami football the way it used to be, like I said on a radio show a couple weeks ago, like go back to the Kane way, like those days in the past where you didn't, you played ball to the wall, you weren't scared of anybody, you know, you walked into that stadium knowing that you were going to win that game. And, like, these fans here said, oh, let's, let's have this moral victory. I'm not into that moral victory. I told Brad today, we're going to go in there. We're going to win 31-28. Uh, we're going to leave Death Valley with a dub, you know, and then we'll show college football that we're back. I'm going to tell you now, we beat Clemson. I might butt naked do the one leg up uh, right there on the field. I might run down and grab Howard's Rock and do the DX suck it to all of the Clemson fans there if we beat them on Saturday night. But, Brad, talk about that for a second because you see it as much as I do on social media. The, oh, if we can keep it within a couple of scores. Like, I, I, I don't know when our fan base became a bunch of pussies, but we got a bunch of fucking pussies running around. Dude, it's like, it's like we are not built like that. Like, for Miami Hurricane fans should not be like that. We're, we're all about, I mean, the eat, like, 
having the teams back and always talking our shit. Like we wanted this. Like this is what we wanted. We were begging for a kicker. We were begging for a quarterback. We were begging for an offensive coordinator. We got all of those pieces and look what we're doing. And now that we have it in front of us, instead of loving it and enjoying it, you're already thinking and talking about, hey, how long are we going to have this offensive coordinator for? How about we look into the team that's in front of us right now, which is the Clemson Tigers, a team that if you look statistically matches up pretty similar to us as far as offense. Trevor Lawrence and De'Ara King's numbers are very similar. You look at a guy like Travis Etienne, who, yes, he is definitely the best running back in college football, but his stats are not as good as Cam Harris. Not to mention Clemson's backup running backs are nowhere close to our backup running backs. As long as we protect De'Ara King, we use our tight ends efficiently like we've been doing, establish a run, play a little bit of UAB game plan and mix it up. We know Rhett Lashley is smart. We know he knows what he's doing. He's got plays in the back of it in, in the back of his pocket that he's ready to use. All we have to do is like Rope said, man, calm down, execute. There's gonna be times where Clemson's gonna slap you in the mouth. It's all about what you do after that. And I think with a proven quarterback who's a leader on the field and off the field like Derek King, the sky is the limit for this football team. And look, man, 2028 has been a crazy year. You got NFL teams that are having a reschedule. I mean, we all thought college football wasn't going to happen. You still got conferences that haven't even played football. We are a top five college football team right now. Let's act like it. And that's the main thing. It's acting like you're supposed to be there and not allowing the moment to be too big. And I think the best thing that we see right now, and Jason, you can speak to this in a second. For me, it was the way that you went out against an inferior Florida State team and you had Rhett Lashley just say, screw this. I'm going to stomp on their throat. I'm going to keep pouring it on. You know, the fact that you throw a bomb to D. Wiggins up 31-3 to in the first half, and it's a fuck you touchdown is exactly what it was. Jason, that's a mentality we haven't seen in a long time. A long time. And I believe it was Brad who said it on Twitter today. People see the Clemson Tigers logo, and they just they bow down. They're just they're so afraid. I, uh, I've been posting on Twitter all week. Canes by 10. Canes by 10. I have nothing to lose. Like, I'm going to die. I told A.B. today, I was texting him about some stickers stuff. Shout out stickers by A.B. Um, I uh, I was texting him, and I was like, hey, I'm going to die on this hill alone, like Canes by 10, because everybody else is just saying that we're just going to get killed, that we have no shot. I'm like, you know, after the Louisiana Tech game last year, nobody on earth expected the Miami Hurricanes to be seventh <laughs> in the nation right? and have back-to-back-to-back college game days, whatever it is. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm not afraid of Clemson at all, and like I know, I know the Hurricanes aren't either. So, Ro, you, you know, you look at that, and I, there is a lot of disrespect across the country, and Clemson's earned that respect. Let's not kid ourselves. But I wrote something today talking about the matchup uh, and what intrigues me the most, and it's not players, it's not Miami's D line against Trevor Lawrence, it's Rhett Lashley against Brent Venables. Brent Venables is the best defensive coordinator in college football right now, but he can be got. LSU ate his lunch a year ago. So if you look at it, Roman, is that a matchup that you think Rhett Lashley can really get an advantage in? I mean, that's going to be the game. I mean, you asked me my for my curiosity's sake, what am I the most curious? That, that matchup, ROC versus your DC. And yes, LSU had their way. I mean, uh, you know, you have the number one quarterback overall in Burrow. He throws five touchdowns. They're going off. They had a receiver basically eclipse 200 yards. I mean, it was it was a freak show. And I 
it, 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 you know what that game reminded me of exactly what the Clemson Tigers did to OSU that one year and kept them to a goose egg. And and it basically, I was like, oh wow, I'm watching, I'm I'm watching LSU do it to this Clemson team. I didn't think this was going to happen. Uh, but you know what? I like the fact that there's a team in the ACC who's kind of given Clemson fits, mm-hmm. and they're not a powerhouse team, and that's Syracuse. And Syracuse kind of runs this up-tempo spread variety offense. <laughs> so I, I, I'm like, wow, this, this, this could be interesting because, you know, it, it's like this, John. Rhett Lashley, when he steps on the field against Brett, he's not going to be smarter than him. Mm-hmm. He's not. And then vice versa. They're not smarter than each other. They're brilliant at what they do. But you know who you're going to be smarter than? And you know you got to have to try to be smarter than? They're players. Yep. And that's why I like this tempo. Just be smarter than their players. Just put them in a bind. Just keep putting, just keep doing what you've been doing. I, I like to play this game, and you know, anytime I watch film, and and I did it with Rick, and I did it with Enos, and I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, how do I stop this? How do I stop this? Three games in, this offense that Miami puts on the table, it's still giving me fits, and I know it's going to go ahead and have its moments against Clemson. It really is. And, and that's what I'm the most excited about because Rhett Lashley just has to have a few more moments. That's all it's going to take. It's, it's, if we're going to win this game, it's because of the offense, right? I firmly believe that. Let's just be a little bit smarter than his players and it might happen. You know, it's crazy. I was looking up today in the ACC, and if you look statistically, it's insane on the defensive side of the ball. You know there's seven teams right now in the ACC that are giving up more than 30 points a game. Seven more than 30 points a game. Miami, not one of them. We're giving up about 19. Clemson's a little bit less than that. But I think the intriguing matchup outside of Lashley versus Brent Venables is Blake Baker against Trevor Lawrence. Because Trevor Lawrence, he's going to be the first pick overall. Hell, here in Atlanta, we're almost hoping now, as much as I love Matt Ryan, it's it, it's time to start the fuck over. So if we end up having the worst pick in the draft and we go get Trevor Lawrence, so be it. He's a kid, though, that a year ago when you get pressure on him, and there's very few teams that can do it, you can make life miserable. Cole, when I look at this, I don't want Blake Baker to get blitz happy because Trevor Lawrence is a wizard against the blitz. Our front four, Roche, uh, obviously Jalen Phillips, uh, Harrison Hunt, Nesta Silvera, I think those four guys might be the key to slowing down Clemson. Well, and I even told Brad today, uh, I think I've mentioned this a couple other times, a few other people, I think it boils down to our front seven. I mean, I think our D-line does need to um, come up the field, but again, they got to contain, right? So instead of, you know, darting in and leaving the edges open, I think our ends need to go up the field and turn Trevor inside. You know, if he's going to, if he's going to tuck and run, at least turn him inside where hopefully our linebackers have a shot at getting him. Um, but I think it, I think our front four will do a tremendous job. Um, I watched the Virginia game last week, and I saw the pressure that they put on Trevor Lawrence in the O-line, and I'm thinking, well, our D-line's a lot better than Virginia, so I'm looking at it from a perspective of, shoot, our defense can eat. Now, the, the biggest question is, can we tackle? Mm. I think that's where it comes down to execution, right? Like you watch you like preseason them doing these fucking tackling drills on tires. Like, okay, this isn't a tire. This is a human being fucking clip them by the ankles, wrap them up. I don't want to see shoulder hits. I want to see you fucking wrapping them, bringing them down because that's where MTN makes a lot of his extra yards. Cause they want to, again, believe it or not, he's a strong, powerful back. Yeah. He's not going down on a shoulder hit, wrap his ass up, wrap Trevor's long ass fucking giraffe ass up and fucking bring him to the ground. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And, and Brad, when you look at their offensive line, I believe only has one starter back. They may not even have any from a year ago. They've got talent. It's Clemson. They're always going to have guys. But it, it seems like that's a matchup that really favors Miami is our D-line against their O-line. Yeah, you, I mean, you talk about the age difference between their offensive line and our defense. I, I think that's a big uh, – help in our, in our side uh, I think the defense is going to be probably the the changing point to win this game um you talk about you guys talked about the front four I think we have to only use the front four most of the game to pressure Trevor Lawrence I think you talked about Blake Baker um against this offense I I personally think it needs to be Manny Diaz that needs to call the shots on defense because me personally I'm not sold yet on Blake Baker as far as uh, schematically at certain times where he puts guys in positions. And I think with an offense like you're going against with Clemson, you can't afford to do that. Um, I also think that if we do blitz Trevor Lawrence, it needs to be very disguised blitzing. Mm -hmm. It can't, this can't be a very blitz happy defense because Trevor Lawrence will pick that apart. Um, I think that the cornerbacks need to hold their own. This is going to be a game where they're pretty much on an island one-on-one. Um, and I think the linebackers is going to be what's key. I think our linebackers has probably been our biggest issue on defense so far. Um, and with a guy like Travis Etienne, you have to make sure you tackle. Um, he, if he breaks the tackle, he's gone. Um, I think, unfortunately, he's one of those players in college football. You're not going to be able to stop. You just got to be able to slow him down. Um, and I think the key, Roman said it on his uh, podcast earlier, was we need to make sure that we limit these guys in the red zone. We need to make it convert from touchdowns to field goals because they are they are the top of college football when it comes to that. I, I did some research on Clemson, just going back to 2017, the last time we played them. They've only given up 24 points or more six times. In those six games, Clemson is 3-3. Three and three. So 24, and one of them they gave up – 35 to NC State in a game that they won like 62 to 35. They gave up 35 to Florida State one of the years when Florida State had a pulse, and they won that one 42-35. And there was another one, it may have been Syracuse or somebody, where they blew them out. But every time that they're stressed and their team gives up 24 or more, it becomes a game that's not comfortable for Clemson. I think we also get an advantage, Jason, because we go up there and, and why, mind you, some of us will be there. There's not going to be 85,000 insane, crazy Clemson fans there. We were all at the game uh, against Florida State. It almost felt surreal. But do you think that'll come into play where they don't have that built-in advantage of their loud, you know, basically home field advantage? Oh, yeah. I, I think it will play a big factor. It's not going to be like it was in Athens last weekend where it seemed like there was a million people in the stands. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if it was if it was a regular Saturday night in Death Valley college game day, it would be absolutely nuts. So, yeah, I, th I think um, not having – I don't know how many fans they're going to have in the stands. I don't – Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. It seems like they just opened up more tickets. Is it 19,000? Okay. Like, literally, I could not find tickets until I text Brad, I don't know, about two, three hours ago. And I was in the gym and, you know, I was a little bit angry at my home life. And I said, fuck it, I'm going to the game. And I looked and I go, holy shit, lower level, 50-yard line, third row, 175 apiece, and then uh, some fees attached to it. And that's a no-brainer. I got to go to this game. Uh, yeah. But it seems like they opened up some more maybe recently. Jason, do you think that 24, I know you keep saying 31 points, is that 24 an attainable number for our offense? For our offense to score 24 points? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think so. Yeah. I mean, you, we, we get to the 50. I, you know, I say that. But, I mean, we have a great kicker. Who, we can actually kick field goals now. So, 
you know, three points shouldn't be an issue. I know we want six or seven, but, you know, um, yeah, I believe our offense can definitely score at least 24 points. Roman, what's crazy is uh, Rhett is really, really aggressive, and I love it. He almost plays like he's playing on Madden on PlayStation 4 or the old NCAA football. Do you think this is a game, though, you have to be a little more conservative when it comes to going for it on fourth down? No. I think – I think you made your living in your calling card being super aggressive. And I, I got to listen to him interview today in the over the overriding theme that I've seen from him on film. And he carries it with him is you just take what the defense gives you. It doesn't matter if it's on first. It doesn't matter if it's on second. It doesn't matter if it's on third. And Manny's an analytical guy. And if his analytics are telling him it's on fourth, then let Rat Lashley roll the dice because chances are he's going to get you in a very good play. He's going to take what the defense gives you. This is this is what I've been wanting for so long, and this has been a key cog of Clemson's success, their ability to come to the line and just simply – I was there too, John, at that game in the ACC championship game. They beat us a lot with simple offense. Oh, yeah. And you got you got to remember too, like they just crushed us on the perimeter. And to Manny Diaz's credit, he went back, ditched the 4-3, he realized he he didn't have the speed to compete with Clemson. He went to a four-two-five, put that striker on the field. So now you got this like dissection. You got this anatomy class that's going to happen again and see if that was the right move because literally that was the move that precipitated that. So you go back to the Rhett Lashley aspect. Hey man, he's going to do what Clemson does. Clemson will check with me at the line. They're going to take the RPO look. They're going to do all this. We've been super successful at it. So let's fight fire with fire. And if you're going to have a puncher's chance, that means you're going to have to punch from some different angles at times, you know, and that might be a fourth down, you know, and, and, and you're just, you can't, you're not going to go ahead and come out of Death Valley alive if you're going to be passive. You need to just go in there. And you know what? I think as Miami fans, the core rooted ones, the guys who have grown up with the passion, the orange and green pageantry that, you know, shut up, bitch. I ain't scared of you. You know, that generation. They will go ahead and they will applaud your effort if you come up a little short, but you went for it on fourth down on the 50-yard line. I can promise you that. Yeah, I'm, I'm an aggressive yeah. guy. I, I, Cole, sorry about that. I'm an aggressive guy. I'm with you. I Go for it. Play balls to the wall because if you go up there and you go, oh, I'm, I'm going to punt at the 38-yard line, fuck that. You're going to get blown out. Yeah. Right. So, and, and that, I just wanted to touch on that as well because you've already seen it so far this season where they're not afraid to go for, for it on fourth down, even on the inside of their own 50. Like, so I, I think Lashley and Diaz, uh, again, like, so what's the phrase? You got nothing to lose, right? Like, at the end of the day, you're going into the you're, – you're playing the number one team in the country. You, you need to take every opportunity that you have. Number one, like, going back to what Jason said with our kicking game, our punter has not even allowed a punt return yet all season. Mm. So I'm not worrying about the kicking game. But again, from a perspective of being an offensive guru, guru and lastly, people like that, like if it's fourth and inches, fourth and one, fourth and two, you got someone like Derek King, you got Brevin Jordan, you got Cam Harris. By all means, you take those opportunities all day long. You know, Brad, I'm looking and I and I hate to do the weather report, but, you know, Hurricane Delta out there and everybody that listens down in New Orleans and Louisiana, please be safe. It's going to be a category three. I looked at the weather report at Clemson right now. It's said to be, and maybe I rethink my whole strategy on this, but it's set to be 90% chance of rain on Saturday. Now the storm has shifted some to the left or to the West. Excuse me. If you th see that advantage, Miami advantage Clemson, if we're in a downpour. 
Um, I, I think first of all, we, we we just talked about the kicking game and punting game. I think you kind of throw that out the window if it starts pouring, right? right. And then you kind of look more at the trenches. Um, and when you look at the trenches, that's where it kind of favors Miami, right? Um, you talk about a guy like Trevor Lawrence, who is obviously elite with the with the with the football. He could kind of put it anywhere he wants. You start throwing a lot of rain in there, that goes a lot of their a lot of their ability to throw the football, and it kind of puts a lot more pressure on the running game in the in the trenches um and we just talked about how young that offensive line is and co mentioned earlier about what virginia did to get some push on clemson and you go to the clemson message boards right now they were already worried about their trenches you talk about a pouring rainfall miami's used to this man this is south florida we we play in tropical storms we are the hurricane you know what i mean so we will i think if if it comes down to being pouring rain i think it's going to be a, a dog fight, especially in the running game. And that's where I definitely favor Miami more. But I think that's where it puts a lot more emphasis on tackling. As long as we can tackle and wrap up and not go in head first like Amari Carter does half the time, we need to go in there and wrap up every single time. Because if we don't wrap up, a guy like Travis Etienne will take it the distance every single time. Yeah, what's crazy, and I'm looking right now, literally that night uh, – whatever's left of that hurricane by then it'll be a tropical depression we could be looking because originally it was it was supposed to be way south and all of a sudden that thing is sped up and it's category four and all this other crap which scares the hell out of me uh it, it may be right over south carolina by then so i guess i'm gonna have to go buy a poncho or something for me and my son as it could get ugly that day but jason you know it, it's funny miami hasn't been a team that's turned the football over this year other than punt return does that scare you at all though that maybe Derek king trying to do too much with the football you're getting hit by brian brissy guys like that uh, could that scare you in a scenario like that uh it does i mean all good things must come to an end so it's it's inevitable i mean um you know but i think i think king is is you know, he's a mature player, and I think he's going to be smart with the ball. I know things happen, but um, who knows? It, it could. I hope it doesn't happen, but, I mean, it, it does scare me. Yeah. Yeah, it does to me as well. And, boy, I'm just looking at the size of this thing on the map, and, boy, this is a scary-looking hurricane. Uh, aren't we supposed to be out of hurricane season by now? Like, what the fuck? It's fucking October. In Atlanta, it's, it's cold as shit. It's cold <laughs> as shit right now. It's not really cold. What, it's like 60 what, degrees. What scares me with the rain is, I mean, we're, we talk about the emphasis of our wide receivers needing to catch the football. You yeah. throw rain in there, and now, I mean, now we really need to catch the football. I mean, it, we, we almost need to only throw it to our tight ends. Luckily, uh, their linebackers won't be able to keep up with our tight ends. So I think that up-tempo definitely puts an emphasis on it. Bro, I really dissect. I watched a lot of the Clemson game last week against Virginia. We were off. The, the Georgia-Auburn game was boring as shit. I flipped over, and I saw some weaknesses on their defense. Their D-line can eat. They've got some young kids, uh, predictably, that could get after the quarterback. Their linebackers look slow as dirt, and their defensive backs don't look that sticky on coverage. Is that advantage Miami, or do we have to come up with some stuff? Uh, absolutely. I, I, I kind of saw it similar. I was like, you know why, John? Because it's interesting that you brought that up, because I, I turn around and I watched that Georgia-Auburn game, and I thought that Georgia <laughs> defense – I thought that Georgia defense, I mean, that was something special. I mean, they were – they, it's, it's very rare to make the other opposing team on offense, especially when you're equal in talent. Like Auburn and Georgia, I mean, they get their set of guys. But I just thought the Georgia defense made Auburn look particularly slow. So then I turn around and I watch Clemson, and I'm like, that's my first instinct. I'm like, and they don't look as fast as Georgia, <laughs> you know, especially in the linebacker position where, you know, I see some of these guys taking away the zone read like, like the flash. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be the – that's the thing that Clemson needs to focus on because the 12-set personnel make no modes about it when the two tight ends get on the field. That's going to put – that's going to put Clemson in a very, you know, particular situation because they got to figure out how they're going to want to cover this. Do, do they want to go small? Do they want to go ahead and, and use a sub package and maybe cover Brevin with more of a safety type hybrid role? Okay, maybe Brevin's got the size advantage there. Do you want to keep one of those neck roll linebackers on the field? <laughs> um, maybe you're going to go ahead and you're going to get, you know, chunked up on the speed game. So you got to go ahead and contend with that. So the fact that the linebackers are a little bit, you know, not the echelon that Clemson's used to, that they not seem to be as cover friendly on the back end. Yeah, that has to be an advantage for Miami. And you know what? Even though you talk about like a disadvantage, particularly in the rain, you know, Brad, I think you nailed it. This is the Miami Hurricanes. And I, I remember an interesting story when I talked to Brad Kaya and his dad was like, hey, listen, Anytime you're going to see it rain and it doesn't rain often in, in, in Southern California where we live, but every time it rains, you're going to go ahead and throw the football. You want to know why? Because one day you might play against a team, St. Thomas from South Florida, and those kids live in the rain. If it rains, bring it, air it out. I don't care. These guys need to go ahead and take that advantage because you know the routes, the cornerbacks don't. So let them slip and slide. You go ahead and make the catch and let's go ahead. If it rains, bring it. I still, I still believe we should throw the ball in the rain. Let's bounce around the room and uh, give me a player to watch on the offensive side of the ball. Brad, we'll start with you. Oh, I think player uh, player to watch. Me personally, I think it's got to be Mike Harley. Um, I, I know I've, I've said Mike Harley almost every single week. It seems like on social media, and he hasn't really done much. And he's a he's a senior. Um, you see, he's he's got the leadership. He's done everything on and off the field that he needs to be. And this is going to be a game where, especially if it rains, those drag routes are going to be really promising, especially if Clemson starts to key on our tight ends, which I which I expect. I think Venerables is going to uh, do a game plan where we're going to kind of disregard our tight ends and he's going to put a lot of people in the box. And I think that's where Mike Harley and some of these guys, like maybe even Jeremiah Payton, um, who's going to have his coming out party finally. But uh, I'm going to have to go with Mike Harley just because he's a true senior um, this is his game to shine, and I think he's got to bring it. Jason? Uh, I'm a big D. Wiggins fan. Really like D. Wiggins, so I'm going to say him. You're all about the um, D. Uh-huh. <laughs> I said you're all about the D. <laughs> this guy, this guy. And uh, I'm also going to say Jalen Knightington. I mean, he that kid is a stud. Watch out for him. Cole, who are you looking at on the offensive side of the ball? Believe it or not, I'm looking at the O-line. I want to see what kind of gaps they can uh, create. Um, again, obviously, Cam Harris, I think, should have a, a pretty good game. Um, again, nobody likes to talk about the big uglies, but I think it starts there. Um, I think if they can protect Dorit King and they can open up some holes, I think our running game should be, uh, you know, they should do pretty well. So I'm, I'm going to go say the old line just, just in general, just the old line. Ro, who are you looking at on the offensive side of the ball? I'm going to piggyback off Cohen, be more in particular. I'm going to say it's a hybrid category of Zion Campbell or John Nelson, <laughs> right? Whoever right. you're putting out at left tackle that day, he just needs to go ahead and make sure that he protects. I mean, Miami up until this point, they, they've they given up less sacks than Clemson. They've only given up mm. three on a year. Clemson's given up six. Five. Who would have thought that when your University of Miami offensive line gave up 51 sacks a year ago in 2019? So – so I'm, I'm also looking at that. I just want to see an offensive line just give De'Ara King the time 
it's going to be a little bit diminished, but you know what? I, I have faith that as long as you can give him enough time, I think Rhett Lashley knows what he has, and he has a propensity to have his quarterback get the ball out quicker quicker and quickly. But, yes, I, I'm going to piggyback off Cohen, say in particular that left tackle position. I got my eye on you. For me, it's the law firm of Harris, Knighton, and uh, Cheney Jr., uh, it's a weird law firm. You know, I'm not sure if they do divorce law, uh, if they do uh, malpractice, injury, whatever it may be. But again, I like to do research on the teams that we play. So I just don't, you know, just don't come on and talk shit and not know who I'm talking about. Clemson gives up, if I'm not mistaken, about 186 yards a game on the ground. I'm trying to look. I'm sorry, 161.3 on the ground, four and a half yards a carry. And they haven't exactly played a murderer's row uh, so far. They played the Citadel. They played Virginia and Wake Forest. Wake Forest runs a tempo system the way that we do. They don't have one-tenth the athletes that they do. Clemson, though, giving up four and a half yards a carry and 484 yards in three games means that Harris could throw King in there as well. Knighton and Chaney Jr. can be guys that eat. I do think Brent Venables is going to be a guy that walks down and goes, I got to take the run away. I've got to make those receivers make contested catches, and I'm going to make the Eric King go out there and throw the football at a time that maybe doesn't have the best weather anyway. So that's kind of what I'm looking at with all of them. But uh, I, I think it's going to be that law firm. Let's do the same thing for the defensive side of the ball. Roman, I want to start with you. On the defense, who do you look at that has to be the difference maker in this game? I believe it's going to have to be your linebacker group. Um, you, you're going to you're going to have to between between Jennings and McLeod, those two, you, you're going to have to come and bring your A game. Miami, I do not like this stat once whatsoever. Has given up 55 plays over 10 yards. Any team that's played three games, UCF is the only team given up over 56 over 10 and a half, and that's the best state in Florida. That I'm sure. But in this case, I just don't like their propensity to give up chunk plays. And if you ask me what's the biggest reason, it's at that linebacker spot. So the true linebackers, not not the striker linebackers, but McLeod's, Jennings, they need to have a big game. Cole, who do you think needs to have a big game this week? Bubba Bolden. Oh, yeah. I think he needs to be all over the field. He needs to be Sean Taylor reincarnated against the 03 FSU team and just be everywhere. Um, again, we're without Gervin for the first half. So, and, and obviously Blades and Ivy, they, they've done really well so far early on in the season. But I think your your true stud and your and your true playmaker on defense is Bubba Bolden. So I, I'm looking for him to have a breakout, like breakout, breakout game. Jason, who are you looking at to have a big game this week on the defensive side? I'm going to uh, – Bubba Bolden was great. I'm going to say DJ Ivy. We uh, – I, I know I gave him a lot of shit week one. I'll say uncle, I did, as well as a ton of other people. But he's really been solid since then. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say DJ Ivy. Hopefully, he can continue the trend and and have a breakout game potentially. Brad, who's got to be your boy this week on defense? I'm gonna have to piggyback off of Roman, um, especially if it starts raining. Um, it's gonna be a very run heavy football game, especially with a guy like Travis Etienne. Um, I'm going to be a little more specific, though, and I'm going to say that second linebacker. So either Bradley Jennings or whether it be Sam Brooks or Avery Huff, regardless who that second guy is, I think a guy like Zach McLeod, he knows how much this game means to the football program. Mm -hmm. I think along with him and Bubba Bolden, I think those are two guys that have kind of solidified their role and you could kind of depend on um, right now. But I think that second linebacker is where we're going to get a little – 
bit more picky on, especially in a football game like this. Crazy. I think Zach McLeod might be the only guy on the roster that played in the ACC championship game. I could be wrong, but that sounds about right. I'm just trying to think out loud who may have been there back then, and he may be the only one. By the way, Clemson's also given up eight rushing touchdowns already on the year. I would have guessed that they wouldn't give up eight rushing touchdowns for the season. They gave up three against uh, Wake Forest. That can't be right because Wake Forest only scored 13 points. Okay, so this thing has got to be stupid, (laughs) this college football thing. But they gave up three to the Citadel. That can't be right. Uh, Maybe that's what they ran for. You know what? My my research. We got 10 rushing touchdowns total. Four different guys over 100 rushing yards. You talk about our three running backs all have about 100 yards or more. You got De'Aaron King that's got over 150 yards rushing, all with touchdowns. And you look at Travis Etienne as the only running back on Clemson's football team. Their second-best running back just transferred to Florida. Their running back after that only has 60 rushing yards of the year with zero touchdowns. My, yeah. yeah, my stats, by the way, are completely screwed. Uh, my <laughs> article, I'm going to have to go to a redaction because what I did is took Clemson's rushing yards. They average 4.4 yards a carry, and I didn't look at the defensive side. I'm an idiot. Um, they have actually only given up 270 yards total. They did give up 147 on the ground of Virginia, and they have not given up a rushing touchdown. So I'm going to have to make a redaction real quick on my State of the U article because I completely botched that. Absolutely we, completely botched that. We do have the same amount of tackles, though, which is pretty crazy. Both teams have 202 tackles. We have three less sacks with them, uh, but we have two more interceptions. That's nice. Now, DJ Ivy, a guy that was given a whole lot of crap in the first game, I think he's only given up like two or three catches since then against Florida State. They almost made Tamori and Terry quit football. Like that dude, oh, yeah. that dude wanted to get the fuck out of Tallahassee. Who could blame him? Like if you've ever been to Tallahassee, there's no reason to ever go there. But um, either way, that is a bad scenario for him to look at. Ivy's played much better. Blades has played better. If it's for me, though, on the defensive side, it's, it's the combination of Keontra Smith and Gilbert Frierson. Those guys are going to be put in position where uh, Tony Elliott, the offensive coordinator for Clemson, is going to do anything that he can to get uh, Travis Etienne the ball out in space. They're going to probably be matched up against him quite a bit. And Etienne's a guy that will take those swing routes, screen passes, everything else. Frierson's played really well. Keontra Smith seems like he is is a playmaker waiting to happen. But I think that's a guy right now, one of the two of them or whoever's on the field, they got to be cognizant of what's happening with the running game and what's happening with backs coming out of the backfield because it's going to be huge. Uh, Let's go around the room and and have some fun with this one. Miami wins if what, Co? What what does Miami have to do to win this game? Score more points than Clemson. (laughs) Simple. (laughs) Simple and to the point. Um, Protect the ball. I I think they really have to protect the ball. and I think, again, like I mentioned before, I think it comes down to our front seven. I think if our front seven does what they're supposed to do and what they're capable of doing, then I think Miami wins. Brad, what does Miami have to do to win this game? If we win the turnover margin by two or more. Jason, what do we have to do to win this game? We have to tackle and we have to catch the ball. I believe Roe and uh, and the OBB boys mentioned it this week on their podcast. And uh, I've been tweeting it out all week. And some guy te- uh, wrote, on my tweet and was like making fun of me. He was like, Oh, that sounds like fundamentals. I was like, exactly. It's fundamentals. They have to do the fundamentals to win this game. Roman, what do we have to do to win this football game? Emotionally, before you can become the storm again, you're going to have to weather the storm Mm. and, and and you're just going to have to take whatever figuratively 
and the fact that it's going to be raining, but you're going to have to be able to take Clemson's best punch that game. And more specifically, and I've said this, their red zone efficiency for Clemson is astronomical. They're a perfect 13 for 13 with 12 touchdowns. If you have any chance, if Clemson gets into the red zone five times, they can't, you can't realistically walk out of Death Valley with a win if they score five touchdowns, right? So you're going to have to go ahead and limit them to a couple of touchdowns, maybe three field goals on red zone chances. Your red zone defense, if you're going to bend, because I think Travis Etienne, you got the number one overall pick, and Trevor Lawrence, I think these guys are going to come bring it. I think they're going to be able to move the ball against you. You just got to stiffen up. You got to weather the storm first, and then you just got to become it. Make them kick field goals. They don't do it, as Roe just mentioned. Is it 12 for 12 or 13 for 13 in the red 13 zone? 13 for 13 with only one field goal. They have 12 Oof. touchdowns and 13 chances. Now, Miami fans, you're, you're second in the ACC in this metric. You're perfect 13 for 13. You have 10 touchdowns and three field goals. But you're going to have to flip that around on Saturday night for you to have a chance. I, I think for me, it's a combination of all of the above. You must, you absolutely 100% must figure out a way to win the turnover battle. You know, just being at Hard Rock a couple of weeks ago, people could say, oh, the turnover props are overrated, all of this crap. Bullshit. When our kids get the turn, when Jalen Phillips got that interception off that double reverse bullshit that Florida State tried, I know there were only 13,000 of us there. Yeah, if I had my gold grill like I had 10, 15 years ago, I'd flash it as well. Yes, I had a gold grill. Don't judge I had, me. I had one too. Yeah. Top and bottom. Bro. <laughs> I, just had, I just had the bottom because uh, it got girls in Atlanta. I'm not going to lie to you. I went to the jewelry store here and got a grill, and it worked. Uh, and I, w- I was perfectly okay with it. But if I had one, I'd flash it. But the point to that is our fans and our players feed off of that shit. And if you can somehow get that emotion on your side, and again, it's kind of piggybacking on what all of you said. We need to win the turnover. I'm going to quote Ric Flair. To be the man, you got to beat the man. Right now, Clemson's the best fucking thing going in college football. LSU's not going to repeat. We already know that. Alabama's really good, and they've been there forever. Clemson's right there. To be the man, you got to beat the man. But you also have to walk in the ring knowing that you can beat the man. I'm using the old WCW references. Sting used to walk in the ring and know he could kick Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan's ass. And he had no fear. And he'd do that. Miami, and somebody sent me this from the, like 1984 to 1990-something. We were like 8-0 or 7-0 against the number one team in the country. We have not beat the number one team since October 7th, 2000 against Florida State. We have not beat a number one team on the road, I believe, since November 11th, 1991, also against Florida State. We remember that game as wide right one. We have to walk in and be the motherfucking man on Saturday night. Don't be afraid of that stupid paw and Howard's Rock and the bus ride and all that shit. Be the Miami Hurricanes again. Cole, I know Cole Roman and I are about the same age. You two youngsters, no offense, love you guys. We know what it's like when we were the man, when we'd walk in and Jerome Brown said, I ain't scared of you, bitch. And Oklahoma pooped down their fucking leg. It doesn't mean nothing. And, hey, man, they got a a rock that you could go outside and grab. You want the rock for Miami? You got The closest thing you could get is turn on Fast and Furious. Right. (laughs) You get some rocks. It's on, like, uh, Northwest 117th Street. (laughs) You can get some rocks there, but that's not the same rocks we're looking for. Cody, do you you agree we got to be the man and not let the moment be too big? 
Yeah, I think you just have to go into the game with the understanding is one game at a time, right? This is just another opponent in front of you. And I think the leadership of Derek King and the leadership of Zach McLeod and some of the upperclassmen, like the Quincy Rochers, I think they, they understand what it takes and what needs to happen tomorrow or on Saturday. I'm sorry. But like in order to get there, you got to be complete poised you can't rush stuff if you get down who cares you know just try to fight your way back but i think there's literally a legitimate opportunity for miami to shock college football on saturday night i don't think it's going to be a shock i know the the people around the country think it's a shock correct not to me it's not a miami's supposed to win this fucking game we're supposed to win this game let's go around the room give some predictions i know it's late in the night i gotta get to sleep i got a fucking 4 a.m wake up call for the radio show on 680 the fan here in atlanta brad a final score saturday night what what's your score i got 28 34 miami hurricanes nice jason what you got i'm gonna die on this hill canes by 10 34 24 co where are you at 31 28 miami roman I made a prediction on the Orange Bowl boys. We're not going to go with that one. I'm just going to do his prediction. 31-28 Miami. <laughs> Here's for me. It's a famous score. Kenny Calhoun deflected away. Miami wins 31-30 at Clemson. I, I hey. It's just something about this game. I know everything lines up crazy. A, it's like almost 20 years to the day when we reannounced our, our time back at college football beating Florida State. The last time there was a United States disaster was 2001. Miami won the national championship that year. The stars seem to be aligning for the University of Miami to come back. I've got the Canes 31 to 30. Guys, plug where we can all find you at, where everybody that listens to this podcast can find you. Brad, we'll start with you. Yeah, man, you can find me on Twitter, at Tejeda Brad. That's at T-E-J-E-D-A-B-R-A-D. You could also find me on YouTube with Paul Scoop on the U about once or twice a week. That's about it. Jason? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh, jhud11, J-A-Y-H-U-D-1-1. I'm also a co-host of a sports podcast. It's myself, a Florida State fan, and a Georgia fan. We argue. John Michaels has been on there a few times. We get on there and we argue and we talk. We we don't only talk our favorite teams, but we talk NFL, baseball. We talk it all. So uh, check us out, Stadium Drive Podcast. Cole, where are you at? Yeah, Twitter is just CaneFanCo. Um, IG, it's I put on for my city. Also, uh, co-host of the Kane Gang Show on Sirius XM, Slam Radio, Channel 145, um, every Friday morning from 11 to 12 o'clock. Roman, you're you're the uh, genius of this group. Where are you at? <laughs> Not a genius. Hey, you tell you, I'm going to send that clip and audio to my wife. She needs to hear that. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, too, at Roman Kane. Uh, I'm a fellow contributor with John over there at State of the U., Shout out to Left Side Cam. Uh, also a member of the Orange Bowl Boys podcast. You, well, you can just find us on any of your podcast varieties. And then, yeah, check me out on YouTube, too. That's where I do a lot of the stu- uh, student of the game breakdowns. Have fun over there. So, uh, yeah, man, appreciate it. Gentlemen, can't wait to see Brad Coe. You're coming to my city tomorrow. Can't wait to see you guys. Jason, we'll catch up soon. Roman, uh, it's always a pleasure. Thank you guys for coming on, man. Uh, It's awesome to talk to all of you. And let's go Canes. Let's Let's go. go. Appreciate it. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.